Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, J.M. Once again, this is D.C. Lundberg leading you into another episode of Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please download, rate, and subscribe to this program on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, whichever podcasting app you care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners and follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow me on Twitter also at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G, if you're scoring at home. Another crossover episode for you today on this Wednesday. Today we will present a conversation with Brett Chancy of Locked On Astros. Enjoy. Hey DC, how's it going this evening? It's going terrific. How are you? Doing good. Hey, this is Brett Chancy with Locked On Astros. We have our division, our American League West division preview crossover show with the Mariners. And so we have several things that we could probably talk about. Um, DC, if you could let my fans know here in Houston Mm -hmm. what it is you do, just kind of introduce yourself. Um, You know, maybe a little bit about your background and how about your favorite Mariners um, memory growing up? Ooh. Well, there's not much uh, baseball background to speak of, really. I had done another show, another uh, podcast, for eight years as a regular uh, panelist and contributor. And for the previous two, I was co-producer and co-host with another Locked On host, Jason Hernandez, who does the Anaheim Ducks program. And that led me to this program here. That's really my uh, commentary background, as it were, but I've been running fantasy baseball league since I was 16 years old. I know the game backwards and forwards. Everybody growing up knew that, hey, if you need a baseball question, go ask DC over there. He's got an answer for you. My favorite baseball memory growing up, I think, probably has nothing to do with the Mariners. It's probably Cal Ripken Jr. breaking the all-time, uh, the consecutive games streak. And I was a big Cal Ripken Jr. fan growing up. Grew up rooting mostly for the Orioles rather than the Mariners, even though they were really good at that time. And then when the Orioles started to become pretty terrible, Cal Ripken retired the 2001 Mariners season, and that's my favorite Mariners memory, that 2001 season, which was just spectacular, the regular season at least. Ichiro kind of coming out of nowhere to just set the league on fire. I knew he was going to do well. I didn't know he was going to do that well. And the pitching staff was just a sight to behold that year. Jamie Moyer, Freddie Garcia, Paul Abbott even had a good year. Aaron Seeley in that 12-6 curveball was fantastic. And, then ever, and, of course, it was the season after the Mariners had lost, so to speak, Alex Rodriguez to the Texas Rangers with that free agent contract. Carlos Guillen came in and played shortstop and did a very, very good job filling Alex Rodriguez's um, shoes. And it was... The the entire roster kind of came together. They had four very productive outfielders, Ichiro and Mike Cameron. Mark McLemore played in the outfield that year. Stan Javier was maybe the best fourth outfielder the Mariners have ever had. I loved watching him play. Charles Gibson was on that roster, who's one of my all-time favorite Mariners. That 2001 team, the whole regular season, has to be my favorite Mariners memory. That's awesome. Um, You know, I remember some of those teams, you know, even being down in Houston. Yeah. um, You know, the Mariners got really put on the map with, I, I guess, really came into fruition when, when they had a young Randy Johnson, when they had, um, you know, King Griffey Jr., obviously, Edgar Martinez, um, you know, guys like that that came through. And then, like you said, whenever whenever Ichiro um, joined the Mariners and he would hit and hit, and it was like 
does this guy ever like is he <laughs> is he a ninja is he a magician at the plate like and it was it was interesting because his swing wasn't like anybody else's swing it was like a it was a little slap motion but he also could hit for power and you're like who is this guy you know and um because he became a rookie how how old was he in his rookie year here in the MLB 27, I want to say, 27 or 28, but you're right about his swing. It was kind of a sweeping motion. Dave Niehaus, and you said the word magician. Our announcer, our Hall of Fame announcer, Dave Niehaus, said, liken him to a magician using his magic wand to just kind of place the ball in the outfield wherever he wanted to. Interesting, and I would like to say I came by that knowledge because I studied the Mariners before we came on the show. But I think I just got really lucky. Maybe I should go play the lotto. (laughs) It may help. You never know. That's right. But yeah, so um, so the Seattle Mariners are in a period of rebuild, as you said before we began recording the show, and the Houston fan base is very familiar with those positions. We remember when Drake McLean had the team, and after our subsequent first couple championship runs, 04 and 05, falling short, getting swept by the White Sox, which was terrible, we actually did not wear white socks for I think over a year and I think to this day (laughs) every time the White Sox come into town I don't know if you know this little trivia for Seattle fans the White Sox bat boy wears the number 05 to Minute Maid Park every time they play in Houston to to remind us that they beat us in 05 yeah and our current TV announcer Jeff Blum was actually on that team and hit a home run against us yes he was Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So so you know we've we've been there. We've been down that road. I remember um, around what twelve thirty. I mean, we lost a hundred games like three years in a row. And when Drake McClain just started, just like it was like he put the Astros out on the front lawn, and he didn't even like try to trade for anything. He's just like it's all free. Yeah. And, and so and you did it purely through the draft for the, through the most part, if I recall. Yes. Yes, yes, we did. We did repair it through the draft, and that was mainly when we got the new regime, which is now the old regime. Um, but as as uh, as mired in controversy as Jeff Lunau is, had he not come to Houston, we probably wouldn't be the dominant team we are today. That's correct, because you, you guys drafted very, very well. Mark Apple was kind of a miss. We'll forget about him. But everybody else has been not a not just a contributor, but a, but a pretty major contributor. Yeah, exactly. And I remember George Springer. I remember um, the Houston fans were getting pretty upset that the that the Astros um, front office was slow walking him to the majors there. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Bring him up here. And I remember I kept hearing about George Springer, and <laughs> I was watching that old game the other day. I was watching with my son. Yeah. Um, MLB released the greatest games in different clubs' histories, and it was the 5 Excuse me, um, NLDS against against the um, Braves, and the first time we beat the Braves in the playoffs. My daughter was with me at that game, and she was like maybe two. Mm-hmm. Her mom was furious because that game was like six hours long. She's like, I need to come <laughs> home, and I'm like, I'm like, it's it's we're in we're in inning sixteen. Roger Clemens is pitching. We can't leave, you know. And but I re- I remember um, back in that time, it w- it was like. The Houston Astros had just such a – they just had this magic about them in 05. Yeah. And you can't, you can't easily 
like just whisk that away and forget about it. But you know what? And I totally forgot the point I was trying to make. I'm sitting here getting <laughs> lost in my memories of the game, picturing my daughter who is a senior going to be graduating in May. Oh, geez. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I'm old, man. Well. Um, anyway, so why don't why don't you pick up on on some stuff here? I, I, dude, I just completely lost where I was going with that story. That's okay. Wow. It, was, it was a great story, so it, it works just the same. <laughs> but because of our time constraints, we're actually running up on a commercial yeah. break here. So we got a new sponsor we got to talk about, don't we? Yes, sir, we do. All right. Why don't you go ahead and begin, and I'll clean it up. All right. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale for 2020. If you're looking to lose weight, willpower is the key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you, but Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users, not at one time, but eight different users and even know who is who. So ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Composition Scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Composition Scale. One more item which my listeners are used to at this time, a daily trivia question. I've got a little Mariners Astros trivia for you, if you don't mind, that your audience may enjoy as well. Should I go for it? Yes, let's do it. There is a current Astro who is the son of a former Mariner. Who is this father and son combo? If you want to think about it over the break, uh, we can yes. do that, and, we'll, and I'll give you the answer upon return. And return we shall after these messages. And we're back with Locked On Astros and Locked On Mariners. I'm H-Town Wheelhouse. You can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter. DC, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg. As I like to say, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G if you're scoring at home. And the show is on Twitter also, gang, at L-O underscore Mariners. Good deal. You know, we're back. And I, I, you know, I would like to say I know the answer to this question. And I'm sure when you tell me, I'm going to know. But I don't know the answer to that trivia question. That's all right. The Astro is Michael Brantley. And he his father played for the Mariners is Mickey Brantley, also an outfielder. You know, okay, I remember, I believe, Jeff Blum and Steve Sparks or someone, it was either TV or radio, mentioned that in a series um, when we were in Seattle. 
yeah. um, at the beginning of the year when y'all were like red hot, like y'all were trying to be the Yankees or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, that was one of the trivia items that the Mariners put on their big screen when Brantley was at bat during a Cleveland Indians game, and for some reason that stuck. And um, yeah, anyways, Mickey Brantley played uh, 302 career games in four seasons with the Mariners, didn't play for any other team, was mostly a reserve, although he did start uh, in 1988. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it seems like Son um, got a little bit better baseball genes than Dad. He, well, he certainly had a much better career thus far and a longer one for sure, yes. Definitely. So, um, do you think the Mariners. Um, I know they're in rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's any hope for them to catch fire like they did last year? Maybe surprise some people, bring up the rear, kind of contend for a middle spot or a possible division in 2020? I think there's always that chance with a rebuilding team. I don't think it's a very good one, however. Definitely a because a lot of these, especially Evan White, the first baseman, he's never played Major League Baseball before. To me, he's a complete wild card, but I think he'll do okay. Kyle Lewis just had a cup of coffee in September, did very well. I still think he'll do well this season. It's For me, it's the pitching, and some parts are there and some parts are not. We talked briefly about Justice Sheffield before we started recording and all the hype kind of surrounding him last year and then coming into this season. I hadn't been too high on him, except... For during spring training, his control seems to have gotten better, and that was the issue for me. He had walked too many hitters, put too many hitters on base, and that scared me. Not only is his, has his control seemingly improved, he's got a new pitch that he's using this spring training. He's eliminated the four-seam fastball. He's using a two-seamer now that has much more movement to it, which he can control a bit better, I guess. And uh, it, you know, it's it's missing hitters' bats. It's not on a straight plane as his four-seam fastball was. It was getting hit all over the place. Yeah, well, that, you know that's good. I know I know he was real high, and I know when he was with the Yankees, I believe that's that's who you guys got him from. From yes, um, it, it was that in the John Paxson deal, or where, like how did, how did he come to you guys? He was part of the James uh, Paxson deal with uh, okay. Dom Thompson Williams, a minor league outfielder who's a little bit further away and is also going to miss this entire season, I believe, with Tommy John surgery. But he 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 projects. I don't I don't know how 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 uh, Thompson Williams projects. I haven't seen too many scouting reports on him. But yes, he was part of the James Paxton deal. He's not the first top prospect we've gotten from the Yankees. Years and years ago, the Mariners traded for Jesus Montero, who was supposed to be this tremendous hitting catcher, and he sucked. I mean, <laughs> and what's when Montero? Tell me how you really feel. Uh, I wish I could come up with a joke about an ice cream sandwich, which the Mariners audience will get. In any case, Montero had no bat speed. And that's when I saw him, he was like, how is this guy getting hit? He has no bat speed. He also wasn't the greatest defensive catcher in the world. Mariners tried to move him to first base, wound up DHing him for the most part in the minor leagues. And his attitude also was terrible. He was lazy. He didn't want to work. And the Mariners just gave up on him after an incident where he kind of attacked a scout he he was one of that was one of it was the Michael Pineda trade. Oh my goodness! Mike, the Mariners traded Michael Pineda, who was an All Star at the major league level, but still something of a prospect to the Yankees for this great hitting catcher. And both teams kind of got screwed because Pineda was always injured, so it was a bad trade for both teams. Wow, and you know that usually doesn't happen where you know you both get sour grapes um, yeah. in the trade. I mean it's. It's bound to happen. I guess you got a fifty-fifty shot, you know, True. 
when yeah. the guy comes to your team. But um, from a from a Mariners perspective, do you do you see the Houston Astros as the clear front runners to win the AL West division? And if you do, what do you think is maybe a key thing for the Astros in order to clinch another division title? I can only speak for myself. I don't want to speak for other Mariners fans, but I certainly see them as the, as the top contenders in the American League West. And for me, it's the pitching. I know Garrett Cole isn't there anymore, but he's, but um, you mentioned before the show that Justin Verlander was had some surgery. Would you please talk about that before I finish my answer? Yes, he actually he was scratched from his very first spring training start a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Talk, talked about soreness and his growing, and it was just reported today that uh, which well I'll say today on. Um, March 17th in the a.m. of the day he had surgery on his growing and it's he will be out at least six weeks I believe and so not too too bad but hey mm-hmm. as a lot of Astros fans are saying that's perfect he can he can now be our opening day starter since we're not maybe maybe starting till June 1. <laughs> exactly I mean if he's out six weeks that really doesn't have an effect on the major league schedule it may have an effect on whatever spring training they want to have before that but Again, it, it, for me, it's the pitching. Any team with a good rotation is always going to be a threat. Justin Verlander, I, I was impressed by Jose Urquidy, what I saw from him in the postseason last last year. I think he could have a pretty good season. Um, Zach Greinke was very impressive at times during the postseason. And again, I know Garrett Cole is not there, but I still think the Astros have the pieces to put together in the rotation to be able to form a good rotation. And to me, that's always going to be a key for any team. And it strictly right. comes down to that. Yeah, exactly. And we have three really solid guys fighting for that number five spot. Now, if Justin Verlander is out of that number one spot, mm-hmm. you would have to go Grinky one, McCullers two, or Keedy three. And then my prediction is Josh James gets the fourth, and then they're going to give Austin Pruitt the fifth because of mm-hmm. the spin rate. And you still have Framber Valdez. You also got a guy, Christian Javier, who was impressing people left and right with his strikeout rate with the rise on his fastball his velocity was there and he got reassigned to minor league camp but we have I think a really really good situation where Chris Davinsky came into camp this year looking really good in -hmm. in 2019 um, he looked like an Orioles pitcher more than an Astros pitcher and he just was not he he just didn't have a good year but he came in and he 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 was doing good things and it's just you hate to see the season delayed because it seemed like these Astros were just chomping at the bit. Lance McCullers was quoted as saying, "The wolf is hungry and the wolf's got to eat." And so these guys are these guys are ready, you know. In the off season, Lance went and got a, a tattoo of the Houston skyline on on one of his arms mm-hmm. with a spaceman, and the spaceman is holding a World Series trophy. Ooh, that's pretty bold. Yeah, you know, and Lance is bold. We actually spoke about him on a show. Well, actually, my co-host, Eric, and um, a friend of his, a baseball lawyer, was on, and they were talking about how Lance was going to have this this innings restriction. And I put that quote, the you know, one of those little quotes where you can hear the, hear the person speaking, like, here's a sample of our show on Instagram. And Lance McCullers actually responded, and he said, actually, I'm not going to have an innings limit. I'm going to pitch as much as I want but I'm not going to do it to to the detriment of the team because our goal isn't to get to September. Our goal is to play through September. So they're laser-focused right now. I like that he said, what, the wolf is hungry, the wolf is want to eat. All that made me think of was Duran Duran, hungry like the wolf. (laughs) I don't know. 
yes, great stuff. Great music, <laughs> for sure. Great music, for sure. Sorry. There was something else I was going to ask you also. We were running out of time, so this probably is going to wrap up the show. But I remember the Astros teams of the mid and late 90s being very, very good. Of course, with the Killer Bees, Hall of Famers, Biggio and Bagwell. They added Berkman, I believe, 99, I want to mm-hmm. say. Derek Bell was on those teams. I, Scott Service was, was on those teams also, the Mariners' uh, current manager. Yes, he was. And Randy Johnson was traded to the Astros at the deadline in 1998, which wound up being a rent-a-player for you guys, but it turned out to be an excellent trade for the Mariners because it got the Mariners Freddie Garcia, John Halama, was a, who was a pretty serviceable pitcher, and Carlos Guillen, who wound up being a very serviceable infielder as well. Do you have any memories from the Astros in that time period? I always thought that they just kind of... Why did they come up short, if you can even answer that question, in their postseason opportunities when they did come? Because I thought those were some darn good teams. Well... Two words, Kevin Brown. Yeah, okay, there you go. Kevin Kevin <laughs> Brown was was the reason why yeah. the Astros didn't advance past. Because I mean, when you go back and look at that Padres team, I mean they they had Gwen, you know, they had they had a good team. Yeah, but Kevin Brown was almost like what Mike Scott was to the Mets in the '86 um, NLCS, where oh wow, the Mets knew that if they didn't win that extra innings game in Houston and they didn't clinch, that they knew they had the next game they were going to face Mike Scott. And they will they will tell you to this day, there's no way they were going to win that game if they had to face Mike, Mike Scott again. Correct. And so Kevin Brown was that game changer. Um, I was in the last home game of the Astrodome where mm-hmm. the Astros clinched the division. They were playing the Dodgers. And I remember thinking, there's no way this team gets beat. Like, this team is going to absolutely wreck everybody in the playoffs. Well, it didn't happen, and um, you know, my one of my fondest memories growing up, I can say this is actually takes me back to before that late ninety season was in nineteen eighty nine when Craig Biggio was a rookie. Yes, I actually got his autograph Ooh. on the very first program that I ever received. As that I remember buying. I mean, I bought many before, but I bought one that had Craig Biggio on the cover, and he signed it. He's sitting in a desk in a schoolroom, and Yogi Berra is at a chalkboard like he's teaching them how to catch. It's really cool. Wow. Um, and so that brings me to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- had the honor of meeting King Griffey Jr. and King Griffey Sr. at a sports collector show when I was a kid. Oh, and cool. I have a baseball signed by King Griffey Jr. on the sweet spot and then another baseball on the sweet spot with both him and his dad, one on top of the other, Signing on that sweet spot, and so I had fond memories. I, I remember wearing the old Seattle Mariners hat with Griffey's number on the back, you know, and the mm, little yeah. little fuzzy number on the back. And so, but those, but those late ninety teams. I mean, I I would say Randy Johnson. Um, I got to see him win his first game as an Astro in the Astrodome. That was unreal. I mean, there's what fifty thousand people there probably watching that. It was it, it was like a World Series game. If memory serves, he pitched very well that game. If I'm I wrong about that, or am I thinking of something else? No, he did. It was, yeah. it, uh, and the only other pitching performance I've seen, liken it to others, and I'll I'll make this real quick. Yeah. Number one was when I saw Greg Maddox pitch against Roger Clemens, two three hundred game winners. That was a great Ooh. game. Oh yeah. And then my son and I were at the game where Garrett Cole struck out fifteen batters, and um, we'll never forget that. I told my son, I was like. You'll never see another pitching performance like this again. 
one more thing very quickly before we wrap up because we're already over time, but I want to bring this up anyway. Maybe the most impressive pitching performance that can spring to mind right now was, or maybe for the best timing at least, was for my audience, Mike Scott clinching the National League West in 1986 with a perfect game. That does not happen every day. It does not. No, you're right. And that that is one of the five greatest moments in Astros history. Oh, it's got to be. It's got. It's one of the one of the more important moments in you know in in major league history. It's just it's it's one of my personal favorites, at least. But like I said, we're already over time. I think we have to wrap this up. Brett, thank you very much for talking. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for um, you know. Thanks for coming on. And maybe during the season when we have our first Mariners Astros Astros series, we can um, join up together again. Absolutely, I look forward to it. One more time for the Locked On Mariners audience, where can we find you on Twitter, sir? Find me at H-Town Wheelhouse, and then you can find me at Stroh's 411 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Perfect. And for your audience, you can find me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg. The show is at LO underscore Mariners. I do a weekly mailbag segment. Send me any questions at all to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. That goes for both audiences. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, DC, for for joining us and we look forward to getting this thing started and ramped up as soon as we can absolutely it was a pleasure i look forward to it i look forward to the season whenever that may happen thanks again yes sir and that was brett chancy and myself in a conversation we had last night for you on this wednesday morning the locked on astros locked on mariners crossover hope you enjoyed it ladies and gentlemen remember to download rate and subscribe to this program on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher radio or whichever podcasting app you personally care to use ask your smart device to play locked on mariners locked on astros locked on anything I mentioned the Twitters already numerous times throughout this program, so I won't do that again. I will ask you, however, to ask your smart device to play Lockdown MLB upon the conclusion of this program. We'll be back tomorrow with our crossover with Locked On Rangers. In the meantime, have a great day. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 